I'm John Quinn, and this is Law Disrupted. And we're doing a series of interviews, associates and today actually a young partner, about the stages of the development of their career in a big law firm. And today we're talking to my partner, Jack Bauman, who's a relatively new partner in our Los Angeles office. Jack, you became a partner just a little over a year ago? Correct, yes, in 2021. And when did you start at our firm? I started in October of 2013. So I want to talk to you a little bit about your journey from the time you started with the firm as a first-year associate, maybe even as a summer associate. Were you a summer associate? No, I unfortunately was not. So as a young associate starting with our firm and then... You were an associate for, what, seven, eight years before becoming a partner last year? Yep, that's right. Uh, It was definitely different in the beginning than it was towards the end, but it was a very natural sort of progression in between. Uh, I, other than summering at a firm, had never, you know, obviously worked at a big law firm before I came here. I had clerked. And... It was kind of surprising to me when I showed up. Uh, I was used to clerking in an appellate court where they handed me sort of excerpts of record and these were all your facts. And when I sat down here with my first case assignment, I was sort of wondering where my big book of facts was going to be. And, and you learned you had to create those, that book. Exactly. And that well, was let, surprising. Let, let, let's start from the beginning as to you know, what your expectations were and kind of how you, develop, how you saw yourself developing as a lawyer. I had heard, and the reason I ended up coming to Quinn Emanuel was that stand-up opportunities were given early, which you never know when you're looking at a firm if that's just sort of a marketing pitch or not, and it turned out not to be just a marketing pitch. So for me... So you did get stand-up opportunities? Yes. By stand-up opportunities, we're talking about opportunities to stand up in court and address a court. Do you remember your first one? Well, I remember my first uh, deposition experience very distinctly because I was tapped to take multiple depositions within two or three months of joining the firm. And I had never even sat in on a deposition before. So I didn't really know what they looked like or how they played out. It sounds like we just kind of threw you in. It it was uh, trial by fire. Okay. Uh, And your first court hearing, do you remember that? I remember my first court hearing. It was a discovery motion in state court, which I still am, you know, not as comfortable in state court as I am in federal court because it's much more the, the Wild West there, but it was a good... It's interesting. Most people, I would say, they're more comfortable in, in state court because it's less formal. That, I think that is the feeling for most people. I sort of like the formalities and knowing exactly what's going to happen, but having that as your first experience where you can't predict it was, uh, was a good learning opportunity. I mean, when you first started out, did you have any experience? I, mean, I gather you were a clerk, but in your family, had you had any experience with lawyers, uh, your father... Siblings or anything? I come from a family of lawyers. All right, so this wasn't totally strange to you? Was not totally strange. I had some idea what to expect. And when you started at the firm, were you at all intimidated at all? No, not so much. I mean, there was the question in the back of your mind of what it's really going to be like once you start working for a big law firm, and you don't know that until you start doing it. But pretty quickly after I started doing it, I realized that I liked it. And so it wasn't intimidating so much as it was entertaining. So did there come a point after a few years where you, you know, your approach to the practice, the kinds of assignments that you were getting changed, your level of confidence grew? I mean, talk to us a little bit about the progression uh, of your own comfort uh, with the sense of yourself as a lawyer and that Quinn Emanuel in particular. 
Yeah, sort of as I mentioned at the outset, it's, uh, it was a natural progression. So you start sort of focused in on smaller tasks, but every lawyer that I've worked with here did a good job of trying to help me understand how those tasks built into the broader case. And so you start thinking about sort of those smaller building blocks and how they work into the bigger case. And then as you sort of progress and get more responsibility, it's almost like you're, you're building up the pyramid yourself. And so you have an idea of those building blocks of the case, and then you move up to sort of managing multiple of those building blocks. And eventually you're in sort of a strategy position on the case where you see from the top down more how those building blocks come into place and how the case develops and how you want it to move forward. So it really was you know, natural in terms of you're taking third party depositions or smaller depositions, but you get that experience and learn how to take a deposition. You're arguing discovery motions, but that gets you before the court and you start learning how to argue motions. And so then when you're arguing you know, summary judgment motions, the, the content is different, but in terms of what you're actually doing and the experiences that you developed, doing it on that smaller scale build very nicely. So I can't remember any point other than those initial depositions where I was put into a situation where I thought, I am wildly uncomfortable with this. I don't have the experience necessary to do it. And so in that sense, it was, uh, it was just a natural progression. I mean, did you feel like you got mentoring? And if so, what form did that take? The firm does a good job uh, of having sort of structured programs. Like I, I really liked the trial advocacy programs. They give you uh, a really good idea of you know, how these very experienced trial lawyers approach things. And it's hard in other circumstances to tap into all that knowledge, but more hands-on mentoring was where I found the most benefit. And I had great mentors like Sean Morgan and Dale Oliver, Dave Grable, who from the outset were always willing to sort of go to bat to ensure that I got those experiences early on that helped build up towards making you comfortable as you get more uh, advanced in your career doing the, the substantive activities. What was your first trial? A company called Burton Way Hotels. Uh, there. And, and by the way, how long had you been at the firm when you got involved in your first trial? Well, uh, so the, I guess two separate questions. The first case that went to trial, uh, but then settled on the trial doorsteps, where I had been at the firm for maybe uh, two years at that point. And then uh, for the one that actually went through, it was uh, like four years into the firm. And I actually got to take a witness at that one, which was fun. It was my first cross-examination, which I really enjoyed. And I've since enjoyed cross-examining people. I thought that until I went through my first trial, until I had that experience, I didn't really fully understand why we did a lot of the things that we did before that, why we do what we do in discovery, you know, how this is all going to play out ultimately in a trial. I mean, do you, do you have a similar sense? I had the exact same sense, particularly with depositions. And now I like to have a live note in my depositions because I want that four line, two line soundbite that I can grab out as my control. And when I, I feel like until you've had that experience and you need that 
specific control that you're looking for, it's hard, you know, it's hard not to take a rambling deposition and not think about the sound clips that you need because you don't, you know, you don't get up there and, and want a witness to ramble. You want it uh, tight and focused. Practicing law at the highest level, litigating at the highest level is hard work. Uh, you burn a lot of midnight oil. There's long hours. Were there ever moments where that really kind of got to you and you wondered, you know, is this really worth it? Is this really what I want to do? Uh, no, there, <laughs> there really haven't been. I mean, the, you're a really sick person, aren't you? <laughs> I guess you. You can liked say that. it. Yeah, I, I, I don't get stressed out easily, and so for me, there are long hours and long days, uh, particularly in trial, where you know I've slept on the floor of my office. But I put a goal in my mind, and the goal is getting through the task of, of what you're doing. And it's if you're working towards that, there's not really the the stress other than the you know unavoidable stress of doing the work but i i try not in my mind to get uh overly stressed about things that aren't occurring in the moment which i think helps uh manage stress levels if you're always thinking about what's ahead versus what's right on your plate that can all seem over focus on the thing that's right in front of you rather than the other things that you know you're going to have to turn to once that once that's done exactly it's a step-by-step -step thing it's like when you're running a long race or doing uh, sort of a longer term competition, you, can only, you can't think about what's ahead, you have to think about what you're doing. That's an interesting tip. Any other ideas about managing stress and your workload? Any other devices or processes that you came up with? Since working here, I've had three kids, which... Uh, Amazing. <laughs> You've been busy. They're good distractions from stress because they're a different form of stress altogether. But I think that helps. Staying busy, staying distracted outside of work. Uh, I mean, I like to surf, which is sort of my uh, more zen experience to take my mind off of uh, all of life's stresses. And I think that helps. Did you always know that from the beginning, my goal is I want to be elected a partner in this, in this law firm? I know some associates, they're not clear that it's for him, them ultimately to be a partner. They're here to kind of wait and see and learn a craft and maybe do something else, go in-house or go into academia or government service. Was it clear to you that your goal was you always wanted to be a partner in the firm? Not from my first day. From my first day, my goal was to develop as a lawyer. And in my mind, I thought, if I don't get the substantive experiences I want to, maybe I'll have to go to the US Attorney's Office. Maybe I'll have to you know, look for government work with the, where those uh, experiences are more uh, readily given out. But within a few years of working at the firm, when that sort of uh, crossroads came, I was getting the experience that I wanted and getting a lot, paid a lot better than government work. And so for me, it was sort of a no-brainer to stay on until you know I made partner or you guys fired me. <laughs> well, what's, uh, what's that like? I mean, you, you, you decide you have this goal, you'd like to be a partner at the firm, but the decision is in other people's hands and the criteria, I guess, are not crystal clear and you're not really sure where you stand, I'm assuming, along the way, what was that like? Was there anxiety surrounding that? Or tell us how you lived with that, knowing this was your goal, but you couldn't be entirely sure if it was gonna happen. Well, uh, I mean, sort of as you say, it, it was out of my hands, so I couldn't think about it too much. What I had more thought about was what type of lawyer I wanted to develop into, what skills I wanted to have, 
what kind of client relationships I wanted to develop. And if those were good enough to get me to where I wanted to go, great. But they also developed me as a lawyer. So I, I couldn't think about the end you know, result too much, which is you know, out of your hands. And I more thought about you know, the, the road to get there. Becoming a partner was not a big source of anxiety for you? It was not. Really? You're a really chill guy. <laughs> I try to keep anxiety out as best I can. Did you know at the time there was a partnership meeting that your name was being considered? I did know that, yes. Uh, and how did you learn? I was uh, putting my daughter down for a nap and my phone rang and I answered it. And I think it was either Sean Morgan or Diane Doolittle calling me and telling me that I had been elected partner. And I, I couldn't celebrate too much in the moment because she was about to fall asleep, but I put her down and then uh, told my wife and, and celebrated. All right, so that's a little over, that's a year and four months ago, I guess, that you yeah. got that phone call. And so now you've been a partner. How has your professional life changed as a first-year partner? Well, as sort of as I intimated, it's, it's been a natural progression. So at the time that I became a partner, I was already sort of uh, leading cases that I was on. And so many of those have stayed the same. That's, uh, that sort of substantive aspect of the work hasn't changed too much. The parts that have changed are you know, I'm taking on more cases where there's sort of nobody uh, maybe backstopping me like there was before. And so that's, that's new. But at the same time, you've sort of developed to the point where that, that feels comfortable. So it's not been uh, so new that it's intimidating. Anything else different about being a partner? Do you feel pressure like, I've got to grow my own practice. I need a client following. And you know, it's not over yet. I just reached this hurdle and now I face other hurdles within the partnership. Oh, certainly. Yeah. I mean, I, now I think a lot more about where I'm going to go out and get new cases rather than what new cases might come down, you know, to me through the pipeline. And that, you know, that consideration was sort of on my mind uh, more generally, but now it's more acute in terms of how am I going to continue to grow business. And you know, it's kind of actually a fun thing to think about because it gets you thinking outside the box a little bit of you know, what types of new cases are out there, what types of things are percolating that are going, people are gonna need counsel for. And so it's, it, it makes you think a lot more about that. That's new uh, with becoming a partner, is that fair to say? Or, or were you thinking along those same lines as an associate? How do I develop a practice or how do I bring business to the firm? I had thoughts as an associate about how to do that and made efforts towards that, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't as front and center as it is now. And, and what are your ideas on that about how you're gonna grow a practice? Well, for me, I do a lot of class action defense work and some companies are repeat, repeat players in that space. So there's, uh, there's one aspect of you do a great job for them, they want you on your next, their next case, and that's a very natural way to grow. And then there's another, which is you sort of get into the minds of uh, plaintiff's attorneys and identifying what the new cause du jour is that they're going after and sort of how you can get in front of that on the defense side, either you know, by uh, advising clients uh, as to steps they can take to sort of avoid those types of lawsuits 
or identifying folks that are likely to get hit with those, and maybe it's unavoidable. But uh, you know, the plaintiffs bar is very, I mean, they're very smart, they're very clever, they're, they come up with new ideas every day, and you will see them come in waves in terms of the types of different class actions and cases that are being filed. So uh, staying abreast of that and staying in front of that, I think is uh, sort of my, my biggest uh, thought in terms of how you develop that practice continuing forward. What's the most satisfying part of your job now? Ooh, that's a good question. I would say, uh, I'd say there's always a satisfaction to finishing a big project, regardless how it turns out in the end. But when you set your sights at the beginning of a case on a strategy and you sort of take step by step by step to watch that strategy play out, and then sort of finally submitting to that strategy in the case. And winning, seeing the strategy prevail. Winning is the icing on the cake, but there's something just satisfying about seeing uh, this project come together in its complete form. And it's something you've sort of set your sights on from the beginning and actually playing out. And yeah, prevailing is the, the best possible result of that. Well, Jack, uh, congratulations on your career at our firm. Uh, it's wonderful to have you as a partner in our firm. And thanks for everything you do for our firm and our clients. Well, thanks for having me on, John. This is great. I've never been on a podcast before. This is John Quinn, and this has been Law Disrupted.